This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. All right, so I've been stuck in this chapter and verse for probably about the last 10 weeks. And so when I come to a new place, I'm just going to throw up on you what God's been throwing up on me. And um, I want you to go to Psalms chapter 1, um, verse 3. And we've been in this series um, back home called Planted Not Buried. And um, I found that there's an epidemic happening in the body of Christ where people are, are, are feeling like they're under. They're under pressure. They're feeling undervalued, they're feeling underutilized, they're feeling underfunded, and, and, and what ends up happening is the place where God wants to give them victory, they're throwing in the towel. Like the place that God is trying to use to incubate their purpose, they're saying, this is where God has left me. And, and, and so today, I hope in the next few moments that I can encourage your faith, and maybe some people will leave here knowing that you are not buried, but you are planted. And, and that comes from Psalms chapter 1, verse 3, where David gives us this beautiful imagery of what the mature Christian life is supposed to look like. He says, they are like trees. Everybody say planted. I need you to holler back at me. Say planted. planted. There we go. They are like trees planted along the riverbanks. The reason why this is important is because when a tree is planted along the riverbanks, they don't have to, to rely on the elements to get nourishment. And God's saying, I want your mature Christian life to be so close to me, the rivers of living water, the word of God, the thing of worship. I want it to be so close to me that it does not matter what's happening in government. It does not matter what's happening in entertainment. I want you to be getting your supply from me. And he said, so I want you to be planted near me. And then it says, and you would be bearing fruit in each season. Now, the thing that's interesting about this is no tree bears fruit in every season. But God's saying when you get close to me and you stay planted in me, I'll let you bear fruit no matter what the season is. Summer, fruit. Winter, fruit. Spring, fruit. Fall, fruit. Lay me off my job, fruit. Leave me, fruit. I'm telling you there is a place in God that no matter what happens, he wants you to produce fruit. But that only comes when we're planted close to him. And we're bearing fruit in every season. And it, then it says something that's really interesting. Their leaves never wither. Julie was talking about her favorite time of year is fall. And we know that the leaves start turning yellow and orange and red, especially where I'm from in the Midwest. I mean, it's just a beautiful coloring. Because what happens is, is that the bark of the tree starts preserving its nutrients and will not supply to the branches so the leaves actually wither and die and fall off. What this tells me is the mature Christian life is supposed to be one where we don't have to hold anything back. That we can keep loving others, serving others, talking great about what God's doing in others. We never have to reserve because no matter what season comes, God will always supply us. And then the last thing it says, and they will prosper in all they do. What happens when God wants to co-sign what you say? 
What happens when you can speak to a place or an area or a person and God says, yeah, I back that up. This is what the mature Christian life looks like. A big oak tree planted by rivers of living water, bearing fruit in every season, leaves never withering and prospering all they do. And, you know, everybody's like, sign me up, God. That's me for your glory, for your glory. <laughs> but what I started to study is God never plants trees. He only plants seeds. So if he wants this to be what our mature Christian life looks like, we have to stay, everybody shot at me, planted. Oh, I know, that's cuss words for some of y'all. Be, be, because you, whenever it gets uncomfortable, whenever it's not favorable, whenever it feels like, like I'm under pressure or under attack or under, then that's when I uproot and I go to another place. Some of y'all only here because you were planted somewhere else. It didn't work out and you said, I'm going to move to L.A. But you came too. You can never escape you. So, 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 so as I begin to study this, I begin to study how you plant something. And one thing that I found out that is eerily similar is the planting process is very similar to the burial process. Is that if I was to bury a coffin right now, I would dig up the dirt, put the coffin in it, put dirt on top of it, and it would be under something, and that would be burial. When I plant something, it's the same. I would dig up some dirt, put a seed in it, put something on top of it, and I, it would be under, and it would be planted. What I came to encourage some people that have been listening to the enemy is that what has been planted is not buried. And you've been having a funeral for things that were not dead yet. You, you've been having a funeral in a relationship because, God, it feels like you've left me and it's dark and it's isolated. And I don't, no, 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 baby, you're planted. You're not buried. And the enemy would try to make you seem that because they didn't pick you for the job or because you didn't get the record deal you thought you would get or because the book didn't hit the top selling, that somehow you were buried. But I came to encourage somebody today that you are planted and not buried. Can we give God a shout of praise right there? I haven't even made it to my first point, and I'm too hype. Okay? The, the realization you have to have is under does not mean over. Yeah, you're undervalued. You're under pressure. Yeah, you're under-equipped. Yeah, you're under. But that does not mean it's over. God is trying to do a work under that allows you to have the roots to be able to sustain what he wants to do over. Look, look at this, this. This little diagram right here shows... A process, and I know everybody wants to be on the end, Pastor, I'm blooming, look at me, I'm blooming. <laughs> but realistically, many of us are in the first three areas, and God's doing more under than he's doing over. And in this Instagram instant validation, we need claps. It's hard for us to be able to do and stay planted because nobody's going to applaud us doing the work that God's called us to do and they can't see the process. And that's why many people would rather be potted plants. We would rather be pretty in a small space. Uh-oh. Then stay in the place God has planted us, close to him. And, and, and so 
I, the thing is, God wants to give you roots. Because if he doesn't give you roots, and I'm talking about things like humility, <laughs> character. <laughs> Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Many of us want to shine, but God says, if I even put you in that light, it would not be able to hold because you have no roots. And if you do not have roots, you can never bear fruit. And, and this is where God wants us to be as a believer. And I know we live in 2018, and there's no way you can Instagram integrity. Out here being pure, look at me, not doing it. <laughs> you can't Facebook faithfulness. And so the enemy tries to convince us that we are buried when we are actually planted. And so today I just want to help some people who may be planted what to do when you're under. And I'm going to take this one thing and I want to help you. Today's title of the message is Planted and Undervalued. Because I feel like there's so many people in here that feel like your value has not be, been seen. And God has not, has maybe forgotten about you. And maybe that the, the, the things that you thought in your heart were to come to pass are not because somebody else didn't see it or co-sign it or give you a, yeah, you can do it. You may be the last um, likely in your family. You may be the black sheep. You may be the person that gets looked over. And you've been feeling undervalued and it's been making you feel like your purpose is not worth it. And today I want you to see through the life of, of, of a young lady where your value should come from and what our response should be when you're planted and you feel undervalued. I want us to um, get a proper perspective. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 29 and we're going to start in verse 16. But I must warn you, today's text is a classic episode of Jerry Springer. Okay, there are kissing cousins, there are lies, there's a pimp daddy, there's sister fights, there's baby mama drama. And, and, and you already know in those Jerry Springer type of shows, there's always this dude between two girls that, that are fighting over him and be like, I don't even know why they're doing this, Jerry. I love both of them. And, and, and this guy in here is Jacob, okay? So I want to go here. Verse 16, it says, now Laban had two daughters. The older daughter's name was Leah. What was the older daughter's name? Okay. And the younger one was Rachel. What was the younger one's name? Okay, I need to make sure we got the characters. There was no sparkle in Leah's eye. Um, translation, she had a great personality, a.k.a. she was ugly. When anybody introduces you and say they have no sparkle in their eye, back in this day, that was you were ugly. I just need you to understand this. But Rachel had a beautiful figure pow, 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 and a lovely face. Since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I'll work for you for seven years if you'll just give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Agreed, Laban replied. I'd rather give her to you than anyone else. Stay and work with me. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel. That's how much he valued Rachel. But his love for her was so strong that it seemed to be but a few days. What kind of woman was this? Finally, the time came for him to marry her. I have fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. Now give me my wife so I can sleep with her. So Laban invited everyone in the neighborhood and prepared a wedding feast. But that night when it was dark, Laban took Leah to Jacob and he slept with her. Verse 25, but when Jacob woke up in the morning, that was good, huh? You like that? It was Leah. What have you done to me? Jacob raged at Laban. 
I worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me, pimp daddy layman? <laughs> it's not our custom here to marry off the younger daughter ahead of the firstborn player. <laughs> but wait until the bridal week is over. Then I'll give you Rachel two. Two for the price of one. Promised that you'll work another seven years for me. So Jacob agreed. Stop. Are you telling me this man just agreed to work 14 years to be in relationship with this young woman? That's how much he valued Rachel. Okay? Stay with me. And he said, um, so Jacob agreed to work seven more years. A week after Jacob had married Leah, Laban gave him to Rachel too. And um, verse 30, so Jacob slept with Rachel too, and he loved her much more than Leah. Or he valued Rachel more than he valued Leah. Or you could say Leah was undervalued. See, value has to do with worth or how much you would pay for something. And Jacob was willing to pay 14 years of his life to spend with Rachel and was not willing to give up a day for Leah. What does it, what does it feel like to know nobody even wants you there? What happens when you show up and you know they didn't even want you to be a part of what was happening? Every morning when Jacob says, good morning, honey, you know he's never talking to you. What does it look like to go to a job every day where they undervalue your purpose and your skills? What does it look like? And I'm trying to help somebody because many of us have been in situations that we have been under, that we've been undervalued, and we are trying to figure out how to function when I am not getting any validation from anybody else. And I'm trying to sit here, but I'm about to uproot. And God wants you to know today your value should never come from anybody except the one who created you. And, but that's great to say, but we have a process to finding that out. Just like Leah did. Look what happened in verse 31. It says, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, the Lord saw it. He enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive. Point number one, when you are planted and undervalued, don't allow the pain to prevent you from producing. So she's in a situation where she is not favored. She's in a situation where she has not been given the best hand. But God saw her plight and he said, I'm going to enable you by my spirit to do something that others can't do. But what happens so many times is even though God enables us, we want to point to our pain instead of producing, even though we're in a painful situation. And this young woman, she is sitting here because God has saying, and, and I need you to understand the context of the time. Having a son was the greatest thing you could do at this point in time. And not just having children, but having a son because through the son, the family could continue to have legacy. So God is able, enabling her to have fruit and produce. But look what happens because she was still getting her value from other people. Look what happens in verse 29, verse 31. And this is the thing I need to tell you. I believe in this season that God is giving some of you in an undervalued situation the grace to grow even though. 
You're going to have the grace to grow at that job even though they don't want you there. You're going to have the grace to grow in, in that position even though you're the underdog. You're going to have the grace to grow even though you've been underestimated. And this is what God was giving to Leah. Verse 32 says, so Leah became pregnant. And gave birth to a son. And in my head, she had a ghetto friend named Shaniqua. And she was like, oh, my God, you having a baby? Yes, I'm having a baby. What you going to name the baby? And she says, look what she says. Reuben. Okay, Reuben. I like Ricky better, but Reuben, okay. What does Reuben mean? The Lord has noticed my misery. And now my husband will love me. It's crazy that God allowed her to produce, but she was so in her pain that she named the thing that was supposed to be a blessing after her pain. Like so many of us, when God brings us into a new place, we don't refer to it as a blessing. We always reference what God didn't do, and maybe somehow this is what I, I'll get if this happens. And she was attaching her validation to what she produced. She did not know her value. And maybe after the first kid, we'll give you the first kid, Leah. You, you maybe thought your husband would love you and, 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 and attach your worth to that. But she didn't just do it once. She did it three times. Look at verse um, 33. It says, soon she became pregnant again. Oh, my God, girl, you having another boy. Okay, what you going to name this one? Simeon. Okay, Simeon, that's kind of ugly, but it's okay. What does that name mean? The Lord has heard that I was unloved. And has given me another son. Oh, okay. You need counseling. <laughs> and then look what happens. Verse 34. Twice she has produced. But she still has no value. And how many of us go to jobs, are in our families, are doing things, and we're producing, but we're hoping to get value out of what we produce. Instead of whose we are. Uh-oh. And I know y'all are in L.A. and everything is criticized, critiqued, and somebody can do it better. What I came to tell you is that God does not care about how much you produce. He cares about who you are. He cares about who he made you to be. And he has great plans for you. But I know some of you have the Leah syndrome. That maybe what I do is connected to who I am. And so she goes for a third child a third boy then she became pregnant again verse 34 and this time gave birth to another son oh my god girl you like a boy factory you out here trying to have a basketball team what you gonna name him <laughs> levi okay i like levi i like that what does it mean surely this time my husband will feel affection for me since i have given him three sons point number two when you're planted and undervalued, produce on purpose, but not for approval. Some of us are producing and giving our best and trying to do more so somebody can approve us. And God wants you to be fruitful and he wants you to multiply and he wants you to grow even though in an undervalued situation. But he does not want you to produce for approval. And the problem with this is that many of us, again, have our value and our validation connected. So if they say I did a good job, I am a good job. If I do more, I am more. And today I came from Tulsa, Oklahoma to help somebody unhook who you are from what you do. 
because the enemy has been convincing you that you are buried in a place that God has you planted. And that's why you haven't got the promotion on your job, yes, yet because you are in a place where you're under and God's got you there on purpose. Because he's still trying to build something in you. But you're saying, well, I just feel so undervalued. And God's saying, I need you to no longer produce for them, produce for me. Do it for me. Let me prove it to you because some of y'all looking at there like, what is he talking about? Colossians 3, 23 says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord. And then he put this in here for me and all the other remedial people rather than people. Like, don't do it for people ever again. Do it for God. And see, the crazy thing is when we're in undervalued situation, or let me talk about me, when I'm in a, a situation where I feel undervalued, like nobody sees what I do and nobody understands the sacrifice and nobody understands what I put into this. When I'm in an undervalued situation, I don't give my best. You don't deserve it. You, you don't deserve all of me because you don't even value me being here. And God says, you're not holding back on them. You're holding back on me. That's why he says, do everything you ever could do as unto me. There's times when my wife gets on my nerves, and I know I get on hers sometimes, and she's like, baby, I need you to take out the trash. And I do not feel like I'm taking out the trash. I just want to leave it there, and I just want to just be mad. And then the Holy Spirit whispers to me, are you doing that for her, or are you doing it for me? And then at that moment, I go get the trash. And I say under my breath, this ain't even for you. <laughs> now watch, because I have to realize that I can't use my best performance as a way to punish or keep somebody from something in my life. Everything that I do, I do as unto the Lord. And some of y'all going to work into your job on Monday, and you're going to do your best. And under your breath, you're going to say, this wasn't even for you. And you're going to say, I'm doing it as unto the Lord. I'm trying to teach you how to produce, not for approval, but on purpose. And the lie that we've believed is that who we are, which is our identity, and what we do, which is our activity, are synonymous. Some of you who are mothers cannot separate who you are as a mother from who God has called you as a daughter. Some, and what happens is the enemy is able to use our performance against our purpose. But some of you need to find your identity in Christ this morning. So today, I want to give you through the word an adrenaline shot of who you are. Somebody shout at me, I am. Say it again, say I am. I am accepted. I am a child of God according to John 1 and 12. I am chosen by God. This is what you have to believe according to Ephesians 1 and 3. I am complete in Christ according to Colossians 2 and 9. Somebody say, I am. I am secure and I am free from condemnation according to Romans 8 and 1. I am established and every footstep is going forward according to 2 Corinthians 1 and 21. I am complete in Christ according to Colossians 2 9. Somebody shout at me, I am. See, the problem is some of you can't even say it here. And that's why the enemy is able to punk you out there. Because you don't know who you are. But according to my Bible, it says that I am free from condemnation. According to Romans 8, 1 and 2, I am established. According to 2 Corinthians, and I am confident that everything is working for my good. 
according to Romans 8.28. Somebody needs to just say, I'm valued. Say it again, I'm valued. And I know many of you are like Leah. You've been producing for years. Do you know the truth? Some of you are looking for approval from somebody who's not even alive anymore. You're doing everything that you're doing right now for a father who's not here or for a coach that didn't pick you or for a girlfriend who dumped you. She ugly now. Don't even give it. <laughs> All I'm saying to you is if you don't get your value from a creator, somebody else will set your value. And Leah, the saddest thing about this entire story is that she was undervalued by her father. Remember, he presented her to Jacob in the dark. So he, he wasn't, he didn't see her value. Then she was undervalued by her husband who paid 14 years of his life for your sister and nothing for you. But the saddest truth of this entire story, which is probably most of our plight, is we undervalue ourselves. The reason we know is because she thought everything she produced somehow was connected to who she was. But something happened between the third and the fourth child. I don't know, something, a revival started on her. I don't know if she joined Zoe Church and actually started um, putting in and leaning in. I don't know if she watched the Planet Not Buried series, but something happened. Because remember, her first son, Reuben, what was his name? What was he named for? Her pain. The Lord has noticed my misery, and now my husband will love me. She was trying to get validation. Simeon, the Lord heard that I was unloved, and he's given me another son, trying to get validation. Levi, surely this time my husband will feel affection for me since I have given him three sons. She was attaching her value to somebody who didn't even want her in the first place. And my question to us as a church, how many times are we performing, doing things for the approval of somebody who can't even change our life? Pastor Mike, why are you so passionate about this? Because it was me. Like, like as I've started pastoring and people see me different ways and every platform I step on, the enemy tries to get me right there and tell you that you're not worth this and you do not have the value to do this. You didn't go to school. You have six months of high quality TCC, Tulsa Community College education. You were never bred for this. You don't know what you're talking. And he tries to make me feel like my value is not worth it. But then I start to remember who I am. Excuse me, whose I am. <laughs> who paid for me? Who called me? Who said that I have plans for you to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future that the number of hairs on your head are numbered and the steps that you're taking are ordered. And I have to find my value in him. If y'all hate me, I'm headed back home tomorrow, but I'm still loved by God. Now hear me, hear me. This changed in Leah's life as she was about to have her fourth child. Watch this. Just see this last point, Genesis 29, 35. Once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son. Here's her friend. Oh my God, you're having another boy. <laughs> what you gonna name this one? Let me guess, death, because the Lord has forgotten about me. She said, no, I have a new revelation. 
that I know these past three sons, the past three jobs, the past three books, the past three things, I've attached who I am to what I did. And I was undervalued. But this one, she said, I'm going to name him Judah. And if you know anything about names, Judah means praise. And then she makes such a declarative statement, not attaching her promise and what she was producing to her past. She now says now. Everybody shout at me now. now. Say now. now. She said, now I will praise the Lord. And she took the moment that she would always attach her value to what she was producing and said, the fact that I'm able to produce anything, I'm going to give God all the praise, the glory, and the honor. And the Bible says something very strange right here. It says, and then she stops having kids. And as I begin to read, it's funny because she'll have kids later on in life, but they will never be birthed out of an insecure place. Like, like at this moment, she was confident in who God made her and she began to praise. And so she no longer felt like she had to have kids to be valued. And some of you have been producing, you've been working, you've been serving, you've been doing it, but it's been out of the wrong heart. You've been connecting who you are to what you do. And I know it's hard to even be able to admit it. But I'm telling you today, God wants you to stay planted, not because of what you do, but because he loves you and because he wants you and he needs you. And so my last point is something that you can go out of here and walk with. When you are planted and undervalued, you need to turn your pain into praise. It's time for some of you to walk back into that job tomorrow and say, thank you, Father, for what you're doing. I feel undervalued, but now I'm going to praise you anyway. They may not see what I do. They may not see who I am. And I may never get a well done from that person. But, Father, I'm going to get a well done from you. Some of you, this is going to work on your heart all week. It's going to be heart surgery. Because nobody's ever called it out like this. But the reason you spent 15 hours on your makeup this morning getting it beat <laughs> is because somehow you thought your makeup made you more valuable. Somehow the car you drive makes you more valuable. But, but this is the thing I want you to understand. Psalms 34 says it like this. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord and the humble will hear it and be blessed. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. What are you saying, Pastor Mike? Now I'm going to praise every platform I step on. It, it, it has nothing to do with what anybody, all my validation meters have been moved to the inside. And I know whose I am. And today I'm coming to free somebody who's been trying to figure out why am I so undervalued and why am I producing out of my pain? And God says, today I want you to know that I think the world of you and your mind and now what you produce will be because of the creator placing his value on you. You remember at the beginning when I said something, um, you know the value of something by how much you're willing to pay for it, what it's worth? Well, do you know that God paid the ultimate price tag for us? And he thought you were worth it enough not to send one of his sons, but his only son? 
Look what Romans 8.32 said. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else we need? Today in this place, I just want to tell somebody who's felt undervalued, stay planted. God has not forgotten about you. You may feel under, but it's not over. And today I want you to unhook your value from what you do.